Okay, ladies and gentlemen. I'm gonna wake up here. It's a Thursday. The episode 121, I believe. And this episode is brought to you by Phillips Law. One billion plus, one for their clients. Trusted recommended since 1993. Over 1,800 plus Google reviews. Official partners of the Arizona Cardinals. You need Phillips. Official call line for our audience, family, and friends. Free of charge for any legal advice you may need. 602-388-1669. All right, let's loosen up a little bit. Loosen up, grab yourself a refreshment. That posture cranked up. Here we go. We got a hell of a show. We got a lot to talk about this uh, this morning. So I'm just got done. Uh, did some PT yesterday, and I'm super thankful. I went to Eris Physical Therapy, working on my Achilles. My boy Elias, you know Elias, two hundred five or Elias. Mm-hmm. He had this horror story. I'll have Jay put his pictures on the screen. But he tore his Achilles. And right at about 12 weeks, they say it starts reattaching to the bone. And it starts getting stronger. So he's at physical therapy 12 weeks after his surgery of his torn Achilles. Now you're able to walk a little bit. And they had him doing the ladder drill. Boom. And he popped it again. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. Dude, at physical therapy, he fucking tore his Achilles again. And he showed me... Uh, he showed me the first scar, normal scar like mine, and then the second time, it frayed, completely frayed his Achilles. So the scar's like this big, and they have to like really pull the Achilles down to strap it up, and then the doctor's like, now you can't do nothing for 12 weeks. You sit in your boot for 12 weeks. So that's, what a beast for going through that. Oh, dude. 100%. He's such a big man in general, you know? Yeah. Jeez, like, he's such a savage, you know? That's he, crazy. Uh, well, he said too... I was like, I'd be so fucking pissed at that physical therapist. But he, he said it wasn't their fault because he was taking an antibiotic that weakens your tendons. Oh, wow. Some antibiotics do that. That's crazy. I, so how'd that end up coming apart? Like that his doctors didn't realize that? It, I think he went into urgent care for some random sickness and the urgent care lady just prescribed an antibiotic. He thought she knew, knew what she was doing. And that specific antibiotic weakens your ligaments. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that just sounds like all bad timing throughout the whole thing, bro. That made me so thankful, thankful for what I got going on. But I was also listening to this modern wisdom podcast. And I don't know who they were talking about. No, it was Eckhart Tolle who was talking about it. How when people go through these like very traumatic things that you think are so painful and so bad for you, they end up coming. They end up coming back happier than they were before. More like whatever, whatever you want to say, enlightened than they were before. I don't know if that happens with everyone. But I think when you're hurt and you do the right things, maybe you read, maybe you do things that are still healthy for your mind and still eat healthy, I think you can come back pretty, pretty strong. I agree. I think there's something that there's I think there's something to that. Yeah. Um, Marcus, our brother Marcus here, been been friends for years and years and years, and now he's on his third finish in the UFC. And I'm just going over your record here. I'm like, bro, you're putting the people away. First fight, pro debut, KO punch. Second fight, TKO strikes. Third fight, KO. Fourth fight, KO. Sixth fight, TKO. Seventh fight, TKO. Eighth fight, submission. Ninth fight, KO. Tenth fight, fight last weekend, TKO. Oh, my God, bro. That was just such a sick performance. 
It was so sick. We were so hyped. Just how sharp you were looking. So composed. Every time he cracked that kid. And that kid was tough. He was hanging in there. You were cracking him with some shots that 99.9999% of people would have fallen down. But he hung in there. That little 5-2 you threw. It was almost like, did you get that one from Benson? Is that the one you got from Benson? Or did you just kind of throw that off the rip where he kind of turns his shoulder and palm up? Boom. I did, but I, I, I honestly, I have to say, I kind of stole it from Ben, but also threw like a Conor McGregor on it. You know, Conor likes to, oh, on that yeah. southpaw side, throw that one, but he dips a little harder than I dip. And I, I do, I, I can't hit that dip too. I like to hit that dip, but sometimes just throw it right from where it is, you know, just boop, boop. just right there, you know. And uh, and then I was working that one to the, uh, the up the five to the body, to the slip to the two again too. Like those are just kind of combinations I've been seeing around that I've been playing with a little bit too. And, is there um, any boxers that you watch that kind of you try to copy their some of their combinations or? Not really, you know. I, honestly, I think we do, I just kind of go through each one of the each opportunity, like what 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 um, hands are there basically, and kind of just try to put them together. But just watching certain guys and taking little things that I see that I like from guys, you know. And it's nothing like actually like I guess I'm not cerebral enough to actually pull who it is from and what it exactly is, but just working those things constantly, you know. Yeah, you're one of those athletes that just does that kind of thing, and then maybe a coach will watch you and be like, "Hey, you did this and you did this, and you didn't even know you were doing that. You're just letting your body go, mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom." And Randy's pretty good about that too. Like that's one thing uh, about between me and Randy, we've been together for so long too. So that's a shot that we definitely work too, uh, and we work it off like pulls. We work it off. We work it in a whole lot of things, you know. Um, so it's definitely something we throw to, that we throw as well. And Randy has like he has a really good knack for seeing things that I'm doing and then making sure we're thoughtful about th- doing them. You know, that's the thing. I mean, you, when you're around a coach or a person who's been around you literally damn near all your fights, they know what shots you're comfortable with. They know what's going on and they can see things from the outside. So you hear his voice and you trust it and you let it rip. Um, that wheel kick damn near took him out. That wheel kick could have been like. Oh, flatlined him and just boof. Man. But still, dude. Yeah, just trying to get more accurate with those things, you know, like use those weapons a little bit more accurate because that was one shot that we've been practicing too. Abel Ucello uh, over there, I've been going and training with him like like once a week, you oh. know, for the last like seven, probably seven months, you know. And he's a karate black belt, right? Mm-hmm. Karate boxing, yeah, but he's a karate. Uh, taekwondo, you know, taekwondo more so than karate. Uh, but karate is like the bait, like, you know, because they – add hands into it and everything, but a lot of his taekwondo, a lot of his kicks and into the hands, which, you know, I like the hands a lot too, but I really enjoy kicks. I'm dexterity. I have dexterity in my kicks and like, and he teaches us how to hide them, you know, how to hide those kicks to land them. And I'm finally starting to like see and hear him, you know, like you said, with the coaches that you spend time with, Yeah, I've been hearing him and seeing what he means when he says things. And I'm like, I can see the progression. So it's been good to, it's, it's cool to actually go do some of the things that we were actually working on, not just working on things and then going out and not doing any of them, you know? Yeah, bro. It's just like watching you. It's like you're one of those guys, you're just a freaking freak athlete who knows how to show up, who knows how to just be in the moment and let your skills go. Uh, God, it was just so sick just watching you do that. Another KO. Uh, excited to see what's next there. Uh, the whole week went good. The weight cut went good. Everything was pretty smooth, normal. A hundred percent smooth as smooth as butter. You know, honestly, I'm super appreciative because you know, like, it doesn't always go that way. You know, camp is camp. You go, you go in there with your nicks and your bumps and your bruises. You know, and no matter what, nobody makes it to a fight. hundred percent. That's just how it is. But um, and camp was good. You know, I got to work through it. I didn't miss. I missed one day of practice out the whole camp out of a full eight week camp. Um, added a lot of strength and conditioning. A lot. 
Well, I was already doing a lot of strength and conditioning with J-Rock, but now I go with those guys at Built Better, Justin over at uh, Built Better in, uh-huh. um, in Scottsdale. And, man, they've just been taking taking me to another level as well on top of J-Rock's, what J-Rock's already been. With, you know, J-Rock's been with the lab for 10, 13 years, right? Something yeah, like that. Yeah, ever since we've been, I've been there I mean, for years and years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and he just, yeah, he knows how to get us to work, you know? So, and then doing all the work with Mario, too, and the camp, the vibe, everything, man, is just like, can't say anything other than just blessed, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, when you're sparring, the level of guys you're sparring with, it's like literally you go into that fight, it's like, a certain level of confidence you're bringing in there because you're sparring such good guys. 100%. And I'll even say this. This is one other thing I was saying. It's like me and Mario didn't do one round together this whole camp. Damn, like, really? Isn't that crazy? Because we're fighting different type of people, you know? Mm-hmm. Like um, we're fighting different style guys. So to think that we can both be fighting at the same weight class and not have to do one cage round together and still, you know how we do our rounds over yeah, there, yeah, you know? Yeah. Fresh guy in, fresh guy out, you know? They're, uh, each round so it's like to think that we have that many yeah. killers over there yeah and every and it's not like none of those rounds are easy there's so many killers over there abdul there was this guy bobby he fights this weekend he Where, where's he fighting it at uh in canada he's okay. from canada he's he's legit he's legit he's good great striker you know um uh, he helped me at my camp so uh that was cool to have him over there abdul but uh and then you know we got uh beche we got uh ethan we got Kyler, Ezra, Bryce, I mean, Kyler, yeah, Bryce, I mean, man, you know, we don't have to, we didn't have to do one round together the whole camp. Yeah, you know? that's freaking awesome. Freaking awesome. But it's it's impressive with me, too, because how many kids you got? You got four kids, yes, Four sir. kids, and the kids are older, too, so you've been, you're 33 now, just probably about to hit your prime, and uh, you've been grinding at this. You've only been in the UFC since 2023, I mean, April 29th, 2023, so just... I mean, guys are talking about it all the time. Like, how do you get by when you're not making enough money? Especially you. You're a good example. You have four kids. You have a house to provide for. You have all this food. You have all these things. And you're fighting in the LFA. But also, you're not complaining. You never complain. You never bitch. You you had a side job for the longest time. Mm-hmm. How did that, like, come about? You just Did you find a job that worked around your training? No, I had to end up working around my... I had to work around my training always. And I think that's what, like pushed me back so far, right? Because it wasn't necessarily that I didn't have the skills. It was that I didn't train the correct way, you know? I didn't put in as much work as, like, I wasn't there like Kyler and Mario and um, and Shugwar. Even though I was around the same time, that's when I started coming is when they got there, you know? Yep. Uh, but it just wasn't the same because I was working 60-hour weeks. So, like, I was 60-hour weeks? Bro. Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah, like, you know, I mean, 50-hour weeks is a regular week, you know what I'm saying? Like, I say 60 because that's what we... Especially during COVID time, like that's when I actually picked up even more, you know, because uh-huh. uh, I took over as operational manager. And as a manager, you're a salaried employee, you know, you have a, you have to be there, you know. So, and that was fine too because that was ended up being a blessing. I was still able to take the time I needed to because I was in that position to be there for the guys, to be able to go with Kyler for all his fights and be out. And then I would be there for sparring, never miss sparring. Sometimes I'd go, I'd go spar. Get uh, take off work, go spar, come back to work, and work for another three hours. You know, yeah, so, beastly shit, hundred percent. And not for me, like honestly, that's why I didn't complain much because that's a blessing, right? Like some people don't even have that opportunity. Some people didn't have the opportunity to have a job that they like. I work in the cannabis industry. I love that. You know, like that's one of the things that I'm into. Uh, so for me, I worked in the cannabis industry for almost ten years. You know, yeah. So, speaking of, I got this for a little gift. For ooh, you. I seen you that. Spark it up too. A hundred percent. That I'll, sounds I'll, like I'll a plan. Take a little rip of it. With it you. Sounds like a plan. This guy is. Uh, yeah, that's nice. Bayshore, huh? Mm, 
OG Kim. That's what I like to see. So at the time you're working 50 hours to 60 hours a week, you were tr probably just getting one training session in a day. One training session in a day. Yep, yep. Uh, For that, how many years? Um, at, I mean, probably at least five years, something like that. So when you were 26, 26, you have your kids, you're trying to provide – and shout out to your wife. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the wife. Just supporting your dreams and believing in you. Not being like, go get a fucking job where we <laughs> where we have benefits, where we have this, where we have this stable income. Mm -hmm. She supported you. I mean, yeah. the wives don't get enough credit, especially oh. when you have that many kids and you're trying to grind for this dream. When you're coming up and fighting, you don't make shit. Yeah, that's true. And and honestly, yeah, I got to give her the, the credit, too, you know, and kudos to that. And, you know, to be honest, we've had those moments, you know, and and rightfully so. That's how she's supposed to feel. She, she wants her her family provided for, you know. She wants her kids to be able to thrive. And why shouldn't she want that for them, you know? And uh, and, and especially, like, when you're having four kids, you know, it's just tough. It's tough to it's tough to go through what she went through. And then she went to school, too. So, honestly, it was good, too, because, like, I got to be a, a part of her going to school as well. So, um, and then it was, like, once... She went to school and now she has a you know great job. She's a teacher now, so honestly, like it works out a little bit even better because I was there to help her go to school and her to get her um, uh, degree. And she's a master's, like she has her master's and everything. She even with that, I was like, man, that's crazy that you went and that you did that. You know, what I'm uh -huh. saying like, um, so yeah, I definitely have to give a lot of praise to her for so sure. So she definitely believed in you, like. Early I, on, I'm gonna be honest. I tell her all the time. I don't think she did. Like she's like, <laughs> it's not that she didn't believe in me, but yeah, you know. Yeah. And then I'm such a, like a pessimist, not a pessimist, but like I always say it. Like there's no guarantees. I could do all this work for nothing. Yep. Not for nothing because I don't feel that way. But like there could be no reward at the end of this, you know. Uh, and What's the percentage of pro fighters that you think there is no reward at the end? I mean, unless you're loving the journey, loving, loving going to practice. Mm -hmm. That's for for me. I just love going to fucking practice so much. So I get a lot of reward just from that. But if you're in the it for money and you're in it to make a a good a good living and buy a house, buy buy things, what percentage don't get there? Probably what eighty? I'm maybe ninety five. I, I I would be inclined to agree with you on that. You know, like this is a tough one, man. This is a tough one. Like in, um, yeah, a lot of guys don't make it. A lot of guys don't get through. A lot of guys don't persevere long enough to get there because it's a long road. Like even me, like I've been able to do a lot of work in the last few years. But like we were talking about, it's been ten years since I. It's been eleven years since I started this. You know, I started late when I was teaching at the UFC gym. I think twelve years ago. Yep. Twelve years ago now, Marcus was there. Just starting out, like, always th knew you were a good athlete 12 years ago. And now, in this last, what, year, we're seeing it come to fruition. So that's a long grind of you working fucking full time and training here and there, getting in as much as you can. I mean, it's fucking sweet, bro. 100%, man. And, again, I always look back on it, and I'm thankful for it all. You know, it was what I was supposed to do. And I think that a lot of people can benefit off that story, you know, and, and can just hold in there. Because you never know. Who knows when you're going to get there and who knows when it's going to be over you know so like enjoy it be present you know be present for your moments you know whether the and then the reward like you said that my reward comes from more than just getting in the UFC like I I guess it's easy to hear me say that now because I'm in it and I have gotten three bonuses and it has been a great journey so far for me and I appreciate it you know but like my reward is so much more than that you know like the relationships, the man that I've been able to become, you know, um, and I believe that through training and the people I've set myself around, and I think that that's changed the person I am, and it's manipulated, manipulated the person I am, and I really like that person, you know, and I think that person has so much more growth than I 
am excited for what that person looks like in the future. You know, regardless of wins, losses, all the um, tangibles, we'll call them. You know, mm-hmm. everyone's so focused on talent, but we should be right as men too. It's expected. I have four kids. My wife's kind of like, bro, you better be making, you better keep winning. Yeah, <laughs> you <fuck> know? yeah. <laughs> and then what are you going to blame them? Be mad at them? Like, no. Like, was there times that you thought about, like, fuck, maybe I should just, maybe I should just not do this? Like, uh, maybe that LFA fight, the one that you lost, were you just like, fuck? Or were you just hungrier after that? Yeah, I was hungrier after that, I still think. Um, because I remember there was a moment in the back, you know, I shed a couple tears, you know. And I thought to myself, and I just I was like, man, there's so much more than this. You know what I'm saying? Like, what am I sitting here crying for? You no, know, the, the world is crazy and mean place, and I'm blessed to be able to cry about the fact that I'm not, that, you know, that I'm losing a fight. Like, all right, get back on your horse, you know? Get back on your horse. There's, I feel like there's so much reward without even all the extra stuff. And not everybody feels the same way. Some people uh, wouldn't feel that way. And I don't blame them. Like, life is hard, and you want to support the people around you, and that's the most important thing, Yeah, you know, is to build... Uh, a community that you're that you can that people around you can thrive in, man. Being desperate and you know living on survival mode sucks, you know. And you make a lot of bad decisions in that type of men- mental space. And uh, if I could create something where people don't have to make decisions in that mental space, the more people I can affect, the better. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see it all the time. I mean, people put so much effort into a fight camp, they lose a fight, they think it's the end of the world. But it's like, if that's the worst thing you got going on in your life is you lost a fight, your life's pretty fucking good. I couldn't agree more. That was a, that was the perfect way to say it. Uh, we got some UFC 300 announcements here. Let's spark up that J Marcus. Yes, Let's sir. get our minds right. So, uh, yeah, the announcements Dana made yesterday. It is the first one is Jim Miller, Bobby Green. Jim Miller fought on UFC 100. He fought on UFC 200. Now he's going to fight on UFC 300. That's fucking sweet, dude. Yeah. It just really is. Like, what a beast. It's crazy to think that. And he looks so great, too. Honestly, even just seeing him throughout the week, you know, it's just like he's just chilling, chilling. Like, you know, no, I don't know. Different type of person for sure, right? Fucking vet, dude. Let me let me look real quick just at his, uh, when he got it. His record's 36 and 17. And his UFC, fuck, I gotta scroll way down here for his UFC debut. His UFC debut was October 18th, 2008, the year I graduated. So that was a fucking long time ago, 2008, when it was Bisping versus Chris Lieben. That, that's when he made his UFC. Bisping versus Chris Lieben, that's crazy. I haven't heard Chris Lieben's name in... Uh, uh, I know well, he tra- he trains people now, right? He just, he has his own yeah, gym. Yeah, he has his own gym. Uh, God damn, he's fought everyone, Jim Miller. He's fought Benson. He's fought Melvin. He's fought Nate Diaz. Uh, literally everyone. Melvin Gillard? Yeah. Well, oh, Melvin man. Gillard. That's dope. Someone, I, I was making the comment on one of my YouTube videos that Israel Sonia is the greatest middleweight of all time. And then the people are like, what? You're crazy. Not better than Anderson. I'm like, I don't know if he was better than Anderson. Anderson was the man. Yeah. But he's knocking out people that, I mean, the levels are a little different. Yeah, I would agree. You know, and honestly, you can't you can't deny Anderson is in the conversation for sure. Like he probably is a goat based off like what he's done. You know, fuck it. Do you but, remember, do you were you a UFC fan when he was just like demolishing what people? The fuck this guy isn't even human. One hundred percent. Like yeah, no, one hundred percent. So I, that's why I'm like he is definitely. Like I can understand the argument, but man, you look at the the resume that Israel Adesanya has been able to create and how fast he did it. 
how often he fought. Yeah. You know, you definitely got to still put him right up in there, you know. And if he had beat the uh, amount of consecutive wins, then he would definitely be the guy, right? But, like, that's where the question comes into play. Like, yeah. is it about how many consecutive uh, defenses you have or mm-hmm. or and how important is that, you know? So we got Jim Miller versus Bobby Green, which will be a – I mean, that's going to be a sweet fight. Bobby Green, how long ago was it that he got crumpled like that? Uh, I think it was uh, in November, right? No, it was December 2nd. So oh, we're okay. about we're about 45 days. So it'll be a good layoff. Hopefully he's not sparring hard quite yet because that took some serious – I'm going to say he did take the damage, and I'm surprised they let him get back on there. But I think it's a great fight for him, though. I'm going to go ahead and hit that side. I think so too, bro. I think so too, but I it I mean that's the did that happen in where did that happen at? Did that happen in Vegas? Man, Jalen Turner turned it on too. And I've been paying attention a lot to Jalen Turner because he's a skateboarder too. I've been trying to link up. I haven't hit him up because I'm like really bad about that, but I want to link up, man, and freaking get like game of skate going. You'd like that kid. He's bucket of dice, dude. hundred percent. He seems like it. He seems like the type of skater that I know, you know, that I'm that I'm used to, so I definitely want to go up to Cali and, you know, go check him out. Go hit a couple of skate parks up there. and uh, so you and, can't twist an ankle? Uh, no twisting of ankles, man. No <laughs> twisting of ankles. We're going to, you know, honestly, I've been realizing, like, there's a lot of things that I can do and, uh, on a skateboard still that are still pretty sick and not hurt myself, you know? so Are you smart enough to do Because, cause, like, you go to that skate park and it's like, I can nose grind that. Uh-huh. Like in those, and it's like, fuck, dude. I have trouble going there because you just want to push the fucking limits. I feel and my like, limits aren't very high, but when my fat body hits that concrete, it fucking it hits. Yeah. I feel like uh, as long as I'm doing it consistently, like the more, like throughout the last camp, I got to skate a whole lot because, you know, it was a little bit before my, after my fight. So I probably went and skated more. And the more I was on my board, the more of those tricks I could do consistently, you know, and and not really worried about like, yeah, I can kick out at any given time, you know. Did you play any uh, sports in high school? A little bit, not too much, bro. Uh, I did jump on a dance team with two of my uh, Asian homies though, for like one semester. So I did that. I was on the football team for a little bit. I played a little basketball. I did. A, I I dabbled in a little bit of these. I know the wrestling coaches always would try and get me to wrestle, you know, but. I was a street fighter, so I was always like in that That's mentality. I was, I was like, gay. "Bro, I'm not wearing that singlet." Yeah, dude. gay <laughs> for sure. I, and I wish I would have had some people around me that was like, "Bro, it's not gay. Like this is this is hard shit. Hard like talks, you know, yeah. like I don't think you understand what this is over here. You know." Yeah. But I was like, "Bro, no, nah, get in the singlet and you know, sniff somebody else's <laughs> balls." Like, nah, bro, <laughs> that wasn't me. Damn. But, so you did break dancing? Uh, not break dancing, like regular dancing, like most. Well, I guess I did break dance because I was the one doing flips because I can do like full twists and uh-huh. all that stuff. So I did a bunch of flips and stuff like that and just dance, uh, like pop locking. You know what I'm saying? You know, like like Israel Adesanya dance, like new wave hip hop. God, I wish I could do that. Yeah, I can still dance. You catch me out in the club, man. Really? I don't even be drinking like that, and I'll still be in there, like ugh, getting it. You Look know, like geeked up. Yeah. Okay, so then another announcement here. We got Max Holloway versus Justin Gaethje. So is this Max's, I mean, he hasn't been up to 155 and Since Dustin Poirier, right? Okay. Damn. I forgot. How, how did the Dustin Poirier and Max fight go? Uh, five rounds. He ended up losing the decision, right? Uh, people th- people think Justin's just going to run through Max and batter him. And I, I'm like, I don't know. I, it, it might be more competitive. But also Justin Gaethje, as of lately... Is looking fucking scary with his boxing and how hard he's hitting, how sharp he is. It just depends on how Max, if Max stands there and trades like that with him, or if Max stays on his bike. 
Because if the Max that stays on his bike, I think it'd be harder for Gaethje to land those hard shots. That's why I think that he'll go to those late kicks. You know, uh-huh. I think it's either going to be yeah in that it's in the boxing transitions that he's going to get an inside pocket that Gaethje gets the win, or from the leg kicks to those boxing pockets. Because them ripping overheads. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember Calvin Cater? Remember how that fight oh, went? Yeah, yeah. How yeah. bad uh, Max pieced him up. Gaethje is a bigger dude. Three round fight. Um, yeah, I mean, what I've been seeing on Twitter, people are like, man, Gaethje's going to kill. He's going to make it look like Tony Ferguson. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's going to be more competitive than people think. I definitely agree with you. I mean, you and you can never count out. How are you going to count Max Holloway out? He's Dude, the, right. You know, period. And he gets to go up a weight class. I don't think people take no, understand, like, how much better that feels, too. Like, yeah. he's going to have the speed advantage, like, and he's not a fast guy at 145 pounds, but he goes up to 55, he becomes a faster guy. Not very much fat, but and with that range that he has, mm-hmm. I'm not doubting him. But Justin Gaethje is a savage man, and he could definitely he can turn anybody's lights off in the world. I think you know. And Max on two fight win streak here, and so is Gaethje two fight win streak. Uh, had that fucking crazy fight with Rafael Faziv, KO Dustin Poirier. Decision, Michael Chandler, Donald Cerrone. So it's just def- it definitely is a different fight. I mean, KO'd Edson Bar- Barboza, fucking KO'd James Vick. Uh, gosh, I don't know. So if you had to pick right now, if someone's gave you ten k to bet on, what would you bet? Justin I'm, Gaethje, thirty five years old, twenty five and four. I'm gonna say Justin Gaethje. It's not. I want to. I don't want to go against Max Holloway, but I do think Justin Gaethje is just. I think he gets that one, and I think he does knock him out. I just like you said, he's in another. If he touches Max, I don't know. For me, if he touches anybody the way he can touch guys, you know? Just heavy. Boom. And he puts everything into those shots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He does. He fucking throws his right hands like Henderson, Dan Henderson. Boom. Okay. Uh, Max Hall is 25 and 7, has never been KO'd or TKO'd. Mm-hmm. And Max and uh, Marcus is calling it here. Yeah. I'm calling it. This, I think that'd be the first time ever. But uh, that's kind of, and it's like, wait, that's a lot to say, I guess. Maybe I should. Eat my words, because yeah, he's never been KO. But I think if there's anybody who can do it, it's somebody up a weight class who hits like a train. You know, like who's been KOing people, dude. 100. percent I'm yeah. interested to see what happens to Aljamain Sterling, Calvin Cater. Mm, yeah, I am too. I, I feel like that one's gonna be. I mean, in the first couple wrestling exchanges is gonna be desi- decided pretty early. I think so too, because I definitely think Aljamain's coming to grapple. He's not coming to strike. He's not like you know. He's not boxing with Calvin uh-huh. Cater. He's not even gonna stay at space with him. You know, and it's not because I'm hating on Aljamain. Like, I do like Aljamain still, bro. Like, I like his style. But, dude, like, there's there are differences in fighter. That's not a good fight for him to do. Like, he that's not what he should do against a Calvin Cater. Calvin Cater has some of the crispiest hands, you know. Yeah. And his kicks follow-ups are really good. He starts sticking that jab on you, you're going to be in trouble. But then Aljo, it's like, man, uh, how much stronger is Aljo going to be? Like, how much really strength did he lose at 135 that he's going to have at 145? Maybe a little bit more strength, maybe a little more explosiveness. Who knows? Twenty three and four, and Calvin Cater's twenty three and seven. I think he'll be like a Marab up there, you know, like yeah, stick to you and not. I feel like, and then I've been watching, you know, because I, I try to keep up on different things. I've been watching uh, him and his uh, jujitsu matches and everything, and what he's been able to do and the strength that he's exuded against the guys and what weight class he's doing it. I'm like, hmm. I think that that does play a part, and I think that he will be very strong, and he has a really he has a really technical game. So, 
Um, I definitely think that's where he's going to excel up there at that weight class period yeah. is be able to have a little bit more of a guy's take, be strong with it, and be like a Marab up there, opposed to like, you know, Marab is a little bit smaller at this weight class, you know, but he has he is a tank at this weight class. He just yeah. can continue with that type of pressure constantly, you know. So I'm curious, Marab and Henry. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's going to be an interesting one for sure. I feel like whoever can take up space the best in that one. And I do think Henry has a good – he does a good job when he's on on making sure that people do not change, cover, come across that, that barrier. He has like a barrier he puts up, and he does a good job with that. That's one of the things I can appreciate in his style, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that if he can do that to Marab, he has the good enough wrestling to negate wrestling and maybe land some big shots. Maybe we see his hands go off, you know. That's what I was thinking too. I'm like, I feel like where Marab's strong – Henry can avoid that stuff. And I feel like Henry might have a little bit cleaner boxing. But three rounds, I'm like, Mrab put the pedal to the metal for five rounds. Like, he's going to come out, and it's going to be a sprint. Hopefully, I don't know. We'll see. If I had to pick a winner, I would probably pick Henry yeah. by decision. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then we got announced Davison Figueredo, 22-3 and three versus Cody Garbrandt, 14-5. and five. Yeah, that's a banger. That's a banger, too. We'll see uh, who I feel like because you know Cody's going to go in there and bang with him. So we'll see how hard Figueredo does really hit and if Cody can take that type of damage. He's just taking so much damage. I have so much respect for that guy, but he's taking so much damage. And no matter what, whether you like it or not, we're all going one way, man. You know, we can, our damage meter is, you know, it's just like any of like the video games, bro. That meter is just coming down. You know, it is what it is, you know. And 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 Cody too when he sits there and he slugs with you. His his head's in one spot. His his arms are coming or his punches are coming from his armpits. And honestly, and that's why he hits so hard, you know. But again, like you if you're sitting hitting that hard and you get clipped in the middle of that, it's like two trades hitting each other, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when you see him, you know, struggle in that moment, you know, cuz he hits so hard, he commits so much, you know. So we'll, and Figueredo, you know he's going to do that. Figueredo's going to come in there and do that. I think Cody, and then his grappling is really good too. You know, he looked great. Figueredo looked really good at a at, at feather or at a, excuse me flyweight. Like anytime anybody took him down, he was in like it's like yeah. you're in danger if you take him down too. You can you tell know? he's a good black belt, especially when he gets on top and half guard. How he's he's putting the pressure on people. You can tell he's freaking good. Mm-hmm. And then Charles Oliveira. What an animal for just taking the fight with Armin. Although I think a lot of people are avoiding that guy, and mm-hmm. Charles was like, you know what, fuck it. 34 and 9, professional yeah. record. Armin, 21 and 3. Yeah, that's going to be a great one. That's going to be a great one. And yeah, I'm glad he took that fight too. I think that's a fight that makes sense, you know, like in the division right now. Like that's where they're both at, you know. I feel like that's a good fight for Charles to take, anyways. And I think you're right. Like most people don't want that Armin fight, but. I think that's right on his radar. He's the type of guy to take that one. So I'm going to be interested to see how that goes because both those guys are savages. Yeah. How about UFC 298? Uh, 298, we'll keep kind of going backwards here. We'll go uh, 298. We got Volkanovski versus Ilya Torpuria. I'm, I'm never doubting uh, Alex Volkanovski. That's who I'm riding with. I, that's really, what I think, too. <laughs> I think, too, bro. It's hard to doubt Volk. I mean, that short stance, Ilya's so fucking... Ilya's hey, good on the ground. His his boxing is so sharp. His speed's so good. But Volk, it just seems like he's another fucking animal. We'll see. We'll see if that Islam KO... I mean, people get KO'd and it affects people different way. But Alexander's one of the goats. I don't think it's going to really affect him. 
But I'm looking forward to that fight. Ilya Topuria is 14 and 0, and Alexander is 26 and 3. It's going to be sweet. Yeah, and Ilya is dope. You're right. He does have good hands, but I just don't feel like uh, he has good boxing. I just don't feel like Alex is going to be in that space unless he chooses to be in that space. Like Alex, he boxes, but he doesn't stay there. He is constantly going to be on 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 the move. You know, and honestly, I take that's one thing I've learned. Like I've taken and put it into my style. There's times where I'm going to be on the move. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to be, like, you know, I'm going to be moving, trying to set traps, trying to figure out where you're at and, uh, and, 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 and you know, draw some things out. I think that he does a great job of doing that. And then once he catches his timing, you know, uh-huh. he just goes in. I've, I think that that's going to be kind of the fight. Not that Ilya Taporia is not great. You know, I th- I like that guy. But, man, man, Volk is he's scary. Uh, and Bro, at, he's at 45, scary. At 45, I just... He's the guy. Yeah, I know. You see his fucking, like, when you're around him, too, you see his calves and just his ankles and his bone density. He's just, you can tell he was 300 pounds before. He's just <laughs> one of those guys with fucking huge wrists and just, like, if he kicks you, it's going to fucking hurt. And it's like, him outboxing Max Holloway, it's, yeah, you can't count him out. You just can't. Well, I really think that his leg kicks are going to add up, too. I think that he's going to hit those pendulums, those insides. He's going to beat the legs up on the outside. And then the moment Ilya thinks that there that he's going to start stepping in for throwing punches, he's going to start counting them with good punches. I don't know. That's what I think is going to happen. Ilya does have that low, kind of wide boxing stance. I'm curious to see how he's going to take care of those leg kicks. Mm-hmm. UFC 299. We got uh, Sugar versus Marlin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. You already know who I got in that one. Yeah, Sugar vs. Marlin, five rounds in the big cage, in the big arena. Cheeto's fucking tough and gritty. He gets his ass whooped for rounds and rounds, and he comes back, and he'll still whip something up. He'll 100%. still be dangerous for five rounds. His cardio is going to be good. He's going to be in good shape. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And I think that I think that Sugar is mindful of that and knows that, and that's why Sugar. Yeah. I do think Shug has the tool set, though. Like, if you look at the tool set, even if you watch the first fight, bro, Shug was finding a lot of success, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the leg kick, that, 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 uh, uh, yep. leg kick happened, you know? And that did change the scheme of the fight, you know? And, and that's fighting, though. Anything that happens in there could change. You could step wrong and. That's change. the thing. You just can't be overconfident for, especially in the UFC, especially like, you just can't. Fucking, you have no idea what's going to happen. The something that could happen that you never even thought of. Yep. That's what's like scary about it, but also a little cool about it. A hundred percent, you know, because like you literally have to just be have faith, right? Like you literally just have to have faith. It's the personification of faith, like faith in the fact that things can turn out great too. Mm-hmm. You know, you never know; they could turn out bad, but they could turn out great. And uh, I think when you you know hold on to that, and I think it's beneficial. You know what I'm saying? So, what were you, have you always been religious your whole life? So when I really think about it, yeah, we've always been around church. We've always been around religion, you know. But religion is actually what's uh, what's killed me, you know. Like it's like focusing on religion. Oh, you're this religion. You're that religion. We've been we were a lot into a lot of different churches. We are different religions, right? And you'd say like um, uh, I would say I'm more I'm like more Christian is what I'd say. Right? Like if I had to say what my religion is, but we've been Baptist, you know. We've been uh, we were even going to like uh different temples, like uh, you know, Buddhism type stuff, you know. Uh, we were Jehovah Witnesses for a while as were well. You really? Yeah. How yeah. many years? About five years. Yeah, I was an unbaptized publisher for a little bit, uh, like getting into that. So, so you were what age were you a Jehovah's Witness? I had no <sighs> idea about that. I want to say, I'm probably say some probably probably between like ten years old and fourteen years old. So when I was a Jehovah Witness for a while, going to church, 
Um, and going uh, to meetings, you mean? Going to the meetings. Well, yeah, going <laughs> to the yeah, right, yeah, going to the the, the Kingdom Hall. Yes. You know? So going to the Kingdom Hall, and uh, you know, again, I've always been really more spiritual. Like it was a relationship between me and God that I was, but I wasn't. I didn't think about it like that. I always thought about it as like this is the place where I have friends and people I know and your you community, know, community, and like you know, what I'm saying like the people that are helping me. I moved in with one one guy that was from the church before, and he it was like one of the still one of the things that like molded me. You know, he did a lot for me, and uh, it was really cool to to live with him. He was like an old bachelor or older, little older bachelor dude. You know. So then, at 14 years old, you decided you decided what? I I I really went like uh, atheist. <laughs> like I said, and what it, made you do that? Just everything, you know, just everything in the like a lot of things were happening around that time. And for me, I was just like, man, I just don't believe that. I don't want to be suckered into believing that, you know, God is real and that this is what it is. And I kind of just like, you know, veered away from God, period, you know. And um, later on, and it, it wouldn't be till I was in my 20s, you know, to where I started going, well, I'm not atheist, I'm, ag I'm ag agnostic, you know. Not like, sure. Not sure, you know, like, all right, you know, I feel something like I can't, I felt it before. I can't say I don't feel it, then, you know, and then um, slowly but surely started getting back into my Bible, which is what I should have been doing the whole time. Just anyways. like what translation did you have? though? So ESV, you know, just the English Standard Version, like that's all, I, that's what I've been getting into. Just, you know, because honestly, even after just reading the Bible in general, like there's all these different translations or anything. But I think that you, if you genuinely go into the Bible with the right type of thought process that you're trying to grow and get closer to God, period. Whatever Bible you pick up is is plenty, right? It's about it's about the intention of getting closer to God and trying to learn who God is. And for me, it was like I found God through Jesus Christ, you know? So so what age were you that you were starting to pick up the Bible again a little bit? Uh, I want to say like right when after, like right after COVID started, you know? So like so recently. So 14 to to 30 you were probably egg or agnostic yeah so not from 14 uh but probably from i want to probably say it from probably 27 is when i started like getting back into like my spirituality like that's probably when i still wouldn't say i was like uh religious you know but i was like hey there's something still there that i have to pay attention to but uh it wasn't until i started getting back into my bible about two years ago um when i actually started becoming more what you would call religious, you know? So how did you have time? I mean, you have your family, you're working, you're doing all this. How do you have, I mean, smoking the herb once in a while. How do you have time to just be like, I'm going to sit down and read a couple uh, scriptures here. It's awesome. And right now, like, it's, it's, it's just as easy as this, right? It's crazy. We have these phones on our hands, you know? And I have an app right here. I can get on, get on right now, and it will read me the whole Bible, you know? I can hit play right now, and I already have my scripture. I'm so sometimes you're playing it. I'm in Psalms, yeah, just playing it, read, but reading along with it so I can comprehend too. But a lot of times I read it, but I have my Bible too, my actual physical Bible. But this is something new that I've been doing. This has been helping me get through the Bible so much faster. Andy, and, what's that app called? Uh, this app is called um, Holy Bible, basically. And it, so it has this, and then it has like a daily, um, a daily scripture that I will have too, like on the homepage, like uh, today's Deuteronomy 7, 9, and it's a... Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenants and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And for me, it's beautiful even on a day like today to, to open this and hear that. And and again, we're all going to perceive it differently, and that's okay. But I'm pondering upon what God's word is. It's helping me to think about his His kingdom, His what he wants for us, you know. And uh, And now I get to spread that, you know, so... 
um, it's just crazy how things have been working, you know. So for me, I've been that's been my focus is that and my family and building things. And honestly, I had to go look into the Bible about smoking weed. Like, I, so I I actually did that this camp, you know. So probably about three weeks ago, I was just sitting there and I was like, I'm I'm trying to stop anyways because I wanted to be more focused on the fight. I don't feel like it affects my cardio, but you never know, you know. Just want to be maybe clear a little bit more clear. A hundred percent. So I'm like three weeks out. I'm not trying to smoke, but I'm like, man, I'm all, I'm over here reading the Bible, talking about getting more biblical, you know. What does the Bible say about weed? You know what I'm saying? So I went and looked up a couple different things. First, I, and I looked up on the internet to see what Bible. Just person. hoping it says, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I was happy. Even though I was happy with not finding anything that was like against it, you know. Uh, the other part of me was like, all right, we'll dissect what there is in there that could uh, pertain to it. Right. Wow. And, uh, you know, I feel like I was something that was already on my heart anyways. Weed, alcohol, prescription pills. Nothing should be my master over God, you know, and whatever that is for everybody else, you know, that's them. But nothing should master me. I shouldn't have to do anything that I don't choose to do. Uh, it shouldn't be attached to it, you know, other than God. That's the only thing that I should feel like thirsty for, you know, uh, and that's kind of how I took it. So I was like, OK, whenever I decide to smoke weed, though, I can smoke weed, but I don't need to be so attached to it. And I didn't want that anyways. I don't want that anyways. Like the stoner mentality is like, wake up, bake, smoke again, smoke again, smoke yeah. again. And it's like, bro, I can still love cannabis and only smoke that morning maybe and never don't smoke the rest of the day or maybe only smoke that night. You know, I don't need to be blazing hard every day. That doesn't need to be my focus, you know? Yeah, I think you see, I mean, you see fucking issues with people that do that. They don't have it and then maybe a little thing goes wrong in their day and they're fucking flustered about the littlest thing. It's like, Side effects from smoking when you wake up to when you go to bed for years, it just can't be that good. I just, and me being in the industry, I smoked a lot of weed, guys. I did that. I was that guy. So, again, getting into everything is just my, me look being open to building and becoming a better person, being a better version of myself, you know? So, and I think it helps to not be attached to anything, like, other than the things that are beneficial for you, you know what I'm saying? Like There's a read, water right here if you want. Oh, sweet, yeah. Reading, you know, like read, like again, you say reading. Reading is so great. Like just be able to sit down and do it. And we all have plenty of time. We do it all the time. We scroll through our phone. I'll sit down and scroll all the time. But like, get books, get different things. Yeah. People, people have lived this life, you know, and we get so egotistical sometimes that we forget that there's these books that all the questions that we're asking about life, there's some answers in these books, you know. So it's like get into these books and start trying to find out. Because once I started realizing that, I was like, man. Powerful, hundred percent. Fuck yeah. Okay, I mean, also on Twitter, I only I only try to follow under a hundred people, and I try to find different guys that are uh, maybe philosophers, maybe different authors, maybe different uh, just smart people. So here's a couple we'll bring up and we'll just chat about it real quick. Okay, guys, I hope you're enjoying the show with uh, Marcus McGee. Um, our main supporters, how this show, I mean, the show keeps going are on patreon.com slash Red Hawk Academy. So we have a bunch of questions on there and this podcast even gets better just coming with the answers that Marcus has at the, the, some of the biggest issues you have in your life for Patreon members. And we go over those questions. The last half hour of the show is really good and we're going to put it on Patreon for our Patreon members and supporters and the the video will be on there and the private link will be on there. Also, you'll have a private Spotify link for the confidential show that we do on there. That's confidential. And then for the rest of this show. So thank you guys so much for supporting and I'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye.